My name is Doug. I get to be one of the pastors for our church, and I've got some news for you guys this morning. A man named Sri Krishna was born in a prison around 3200 BC. He was widely regarded as a holy man. He had eight wives and lots of kids. Sri Krishna was one of the most famous leaders in Hinduism. He lived to be 125 years old. He died and he has not risen again. Gautama Buddha was born in 563 BC. He was a sage and a teacher and founded the major world religion of Buddhism. He lived to be 80 years of age and he has not risen again. Muhammad was a famous prophet who claimed to receive revelation from God. He was born about 570 AD, founded a major world religion, wrote a religious book that is still widely read and practiced today. Muhammad lived to be 63 years old. He died and has not risen again. A man named L. Ron Hubbard was born in 1912, a famous author and the founder of the Church of Scientology. The Smithsonian Magazine named him one of the 100 most significant Americans of all time. He lived to be 74 years old and he has not risen again. Steve Jobs, he was born in 1955, a genius, an entrepreneur. He founded one of the world's most wealthy companies and the world's most successful brand. Steve Jobs died at the age of 56 and he has not risen again. But City Light Church, listen, there was a man named Jesus Christ, a real man, historical figure, fact, not fiction. He was born in a dinky manger with a bunch of wild animals, a teenage mom, and a confused dad as his welcoming party. He swung a hammer for a living for the first 30 years of his life. Then he called 12 knuckleheads to follow him around for three years. Jesus lived with love. He taught with authority. He laughed with children. He healed with compassion. And Jesus died with integrity. Jesus Christ died at the young age of 33, a life cut short, a leader lost, a king killed. But it's Resurrection Sunday, and you guys know what comes next. Jesus Christ died at the young age of 33, but three days later, he did rise again. Jesus took, somebody say amen, come on. He took our sin, and he put it in the grave, and he left it there. He took our guilt and our shame, our fears and our failures, our mess-ups and our mishaps. He laid them down in that tomb and kissed them goodbye as he walked out, showing himself to hundreds of people, giving convincing evidence of his bodily resurrection, doing cool things like walking through walls, and eventually he ascended back into heaven before their very eyes, never to die again, always to live forever and ever. This is who we celebrate this morning, Jesus, the Christ, the King, and we love him, we listen to him, and we obey him because among a host of humans... Among a lot of religious leaders, among thousands of uh, successful people, among a lot of folks who have claimed to be a God or a king or a Messiah, there is only one who laid down his life like a lamb but picked it back up like a lion. There is only one who defeated Satan, sin, and death. There is only one who died and yet is alive again. There is only one who has conquered our worst enemies and lived to tell the the story and this only one loves you. 
Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead, has a never-ending, overflowing, always-giving love for you. You see, so many times Easter is just an American tradition. So many times Easter is just that time of the year when the girls get pretty new dresses and the boys moan and groan because they got to dress up. So many times Easter is that time when the family has to go to church but gets to go to brunch. So many times Easter is just about that one guy who lived a long time ago and taught some things and healed some people. Maybe he fed 5,000. We're not quite for sure. But that was a long time ago. Does it really matter to me today? And I want to tell you, yes, it matters. He matters, and he matters because he isn't dead. He is alive, and he loves you. This Jesus who turned the hinges of history and reset the calendars of the world is passionately pursuing you and me with his love. And this morning, I want to spend the next few minutes talking together about the love of Jesus. And my hope is that by the time we leave, you will be convinced deep in your soul that the love of Jesus can resurrect you right where you are. Real life, real time, real love. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go to John chapter 11. I know normally on Easter, churches would talk about the resurrection of Jesus. But this morning, I want to talk about a time when Jesus resurrected one of his good friends. We'll pick up the story in verse 1 where we meet a man named Lazarus. And it says that Lazarus has a couple sisters, Mary and Martha. And what you need to know is that Lazarus was friends with Jesus. Whenever Jesus would be coming through town, Lazarus or Jesus would crash at Lazarus's place. Lazarus was friends with Jesus. Jesus was friends with Lazarus. And what I love about Lazarus is that he's just a normal guy. He didn't live in the big city. He lived right outside the big city. He wasn't rich and he wasn't poor. He wasn't famous, but he did have some friends. He wasn't a preacher or a pastor or a political figure. He was just a normal guy. But then in John 11, verse 5, we find that Jesus loved Lazarus. Look at it with me. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So can I just pause and state the obvious here? Jesus loves normal people. Jesus loves the average Joes and the average Joannas. Now, our world, and honestly, often the church, they say things like you have to achieve something in life before you can receive the love of God. Usually the message that we hear so often is you've got to make a splash. You've got to make a difference. You need to be a famous leader. You need to have a thousand followers on Instagram before God will really take notice of you and actually love you. It's like those Facebook posts. They always annoy me, right? It's some ridiculous looking photo of Jesus. The dude looks like a hippie floating two feet off the ground. And they're like, share this ridiculous looking photo of Jesus with all your friends. Because if you don't, Jesus won't love you. What? Man, it's like those preachers who say, you got to empty your bank account, sell everything and go to Africa and save all the starving children before God will really take notice of you. No, that's not what the Bible says. Jesus loves normal people. For 33 of his year, 33 or 30 years of his life, Jesus just swung a hammer for a living. And then in John eleven five, 5, we see that Jesus loved Lazarus, an average Joe guy with a good job who worked hard and had some friends. Jesus loves normal people. Jesus loved Lazarus. And then we see that Lazarus gets sick. 
And so Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, they send some messengers to Jesus to let them know that Lazarus is sick. Things were bad. They're not going well. And so these messengers said to Jesus, he whom you love is ill. Now, Jesus and his disciples who were with him, Mary and Martha, Lazarus, they all know that if Jesus would just book it back to Bethany, then Jesus could heal Lazarus. Sickness was not scary to Jesus. By this time, he had healed hundreds of people, okay? It was like eating breakfast or driving a car. Not that difficult, okay? But then something surprising happens in verse 6. It says, Now, when he, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? Why would Jesus do that? Mary and Martha had rushed some messengers to Jesus, hoping that he would rush back and heal Lazarus. It doesn't make sense. Why is he staying put? This would be like a wife calling her husband on the phone. And she's slightly happy, slightly freaking out. She's like, honey, it's time. I'm having the baby. Let's get to the hospital. And he's like, oh, that's great, sweetie. I'll see you next week. You're like, no, bro, you're missing it. It's urgent. Do something. Man, when you hear that your buddy is on his deathbed, you book your airline ticket or fill up your car with gas and you get there fast, right? But not Jesus. He plays back. He chills out. He stays right where he is doing whatever he was doing. And in the meantime, Lazarus dies. Jesus loses a friend. Mary and Martha lose their brother. A village loses a good man. And everybody around is thinking, where is Jesus? What is he doing and why isn't he here? Now, eventually, Jesus does show up. He finally gets there. And in John eleven thirty two, 32, we see Mary, one of the sisters of Lazarus, running out to meet Jesus. And she says this in verse 32. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you imagine what Mary was feeling and thinking in that moment? She had sent these messengers trying to reach out and get in touch with Jesus, but then he had chosen to delay his trip to get there. And so Mary had to watch her own brother die. Mary had to handle all the funeral and the burial. She had to manage all the crying and the chaos and the casseroles that flooded her house. Mary had to deal with all that stuff. And then finally, eventually, she sees Jesus down the road showing up, except he's a day late and a dollar short. Now, you got to remember, Jesus loved Lazarus. The story starts out talking about how he loved Lazarus. Then the messengers knew that he loved Lazarus. Now in verses 33 through 35, we discover more of the love of Lazarus. When Mary shares her grief with Jesus, it bothers and it troubles Jesus. Her loss hurt him. Her loss was his loss, even to the point that Jesus broke down and cried. The shortest verse in all the Bible says so much. Jesus wept. This story over and over again, the writer is trying to help us see this is about the love of Jesus. Jesus loved Lazarus, but you would think if Jesus really loved Lazarus, why didn't he show up and heal him? If Jesus really loved Mary and Martha, why didn't he get there and deliver the miracle that they so desperately needed from him? 
if Jesus really loved him. Have you ever been in a place in life when all you had left to say is, if Jesus really loved me? Man, if Jesus really loved me, then he would do this for me or that for me. If Jesus really loved me, then this should happen or that shouldn't have happened. If Jesus really loved me. I remember thinking this, these very words a few years ago. My wife and I had just welcomed our fourth child into our family. And at the same time, I walked away from a great pain, comfortable, like easy path to success job. And so I was unemployed with a beautiful wife and four hungry bellies to feed. And that unemployment place, it's rough. Man, it's like weird. I was applying for anything and everything. But Taco Bell turned me down. Burger King turned me down. UPS, Walmart. I'm like, man, I got a college degree and a decently strong back. I might be lanky, but I can like lift some stuff. And I, get, I got kept, I kept getting turned down. At first, I thought it was funny. I don't want your food anyway then. But then it wasn't so funny. I was like, oh man, I'm stressed out, bummed out. I'm depressed. My wife is nursing our little baby, trying to keep the family intact. Eventually, Qdoba gave me a job. And just so you know, that's where Jesus eats, okay? He rose out of the grave, and Jesus went and got a burrito. That's how he rolls, okay? So I was working at a Qdoba, but it wasn't a good situation, and that was my fault, okay? They had me running the cash register, and I was terrible. I mean, there's this long line out the door. They just want to eat their burritos. They're all staring at me, waiting for me to fix my error or push the right button so they can get their change back, and I just wasn't that good at it. So, I mean, my heart rate is up. I'm sweating like a hostage, and the whole time I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm only making $9 an hour. Do the math, but nine bucks an hour for 20 hours a week isn't going to feed my beautiful wife and four hungry bellies. It just doesn't work. So eventually I had this catering order at Qdoba. It was a huge catering order, so I had to show up to work early, like count all the forks, stack all the tortillas, get everything set up, make it look nice, all that stuff. And this was hundreds and hundreds of dollars of catering. So I thought, man, maybe I'll get a sweet tip and I should be able to take my wife out on a date. So after all the hours, all the work, the tip comes in and it was 10 bucks. And I had to split that with a coworker. And I remember thinking, God, it wasn't supposed to be this way. Like God, I had better plans for my life and I sure wish you would have also. Jesus, if you really loved me. Have you ever had those thoughts? Ever spoken those words? Maybe it's when your marriage hit rock bottom or you had to watch a loved one die, Jesus, if you really loved me. Maybe it's when you had to move away and leave some friends, go to a different school and start a whole new social network. Maybe it's when someone lied to you or cheated you. Maybe it's when your family used you or abused you. Jesus, if you really loved me. Maybe it's when you made a mistake or said something or did something that you just wish you could take back. Maybe it's when that doctor gave, gave you the diagnosis or your ex took the kids. Jesus, if you really loved me. The truth is, we've all been there. Those moments come. It's not a question of whether we will ever have those thoughts. It's what will we do with those thoughts. 
Get this, Mary and Martha, they had just lost their brother, but they brought their pain and their problems and complaints to Jesus. They laid them down at his feet. This Jesus, who had just disappointed them by delaying his trip to get to them, this Jesus, who had healed hundreds of other people, but he didn't heal their brother, this Jesus, who they knew was good and loving and powerful, Jesus had disappointed them, but they still brought their pain and their problems to Jesus. So my question for you this morning is, will you bring your pain to Jesus? Will you bring your problems to Jesus? Will you bring your complaints to Jesus? Man, some of us, we have pains and problems that we swear we're gonna take to our grave, but I'm inviting you this morning, will you bring it to Jesus? Some of us, we have griefs and hurts that have been with us for decades. And I'm asking you this morning, will you bring those to Jesus? Some of us, we are stuck and stalled out in our lives right now. It's like the band-aid just got ripped off and we are paralyzed. Will you give that to Jesus? Mary and Martha did. And when Mary and Martha brought their pain, their problems, and their complaints to Jesus, something happened. Something awesome happened. Look at the end of John chapter 11. So after Jesus weeps, he walks over to the place where Lazarus had been buried, like behind in the uh, tomb behind the big stone. And he says, hey, roll that stone away. And Mary's like, "Uh, Jesus, I, I don't know if you know what you're talking about here. He's been dead for four days. Like he's gonna stink. He's going to reek. It'd be like us digging through six feet of dirt and pulling out a dirty coffin to smell the corpse. Martha's like, Jesus, like, I know you're cool and everything, but we better not do this. You're going in the wrong direction. But Jesus just says to her, you're about to see the glory of God. And just so you know, when Jesus starts talking like that, just listen and do whatever he says, okay? And so Mary and Martha, they get some big muscles and they come over and they roll the stone away. And then Jesus steps up. He says a prayer out loud to the Father. And then with loving authority in his voice and loving compassion in his heart, Jesus says three simple words. Lazarus, come out. Now pause right there. Imagine this moment with me. These people, they had been at this very spot just a few days ago. Tear-stained faces and no hope left in their heart. A big rock was rolled in front of the tomb. And a religious leader said some words that no one remembered. The crowd was hushed, quiet, and watching as their best friend was laid to rest. And now it's the same people back in the same place all over again. Tear-stained faces, maybe a little bit of hope in their hearts. A big rock was rolled away this time, and Jesus said some words that everyone remembered. The crowd was quiet, hushed, and they were watching for their best friend. What would happen? Will anything happen? Then there's a noise, a sound, some movement, and out walks a dead man. Out walks Lazarus. It was a 
miracle, an absolute miracle. Jesus had resurrected a dead man. When Mary and Martha brought death to Jesus, he gave them life. Mary and Martha had expected Jesus to heal their brother, but he raised their brother. Mary and Martha just wanted a little bit of comfort, but Jesus gave them a brand new life. Mary and Martha thought the love of Jesus would look a certain way, but the love of Jesus actually looked way different and way better. That's what happens when we bring our death to Jesus. He gives us life. So let's make it personal, City Light. Jesus Christ loves you. He cares about your hopes and dreams, your fears and failures. He cares about your average Joe job and your hard work. He cares about the little details and the big decisions. Jesus loves you. And because he loves you, sometimes he won't meet your deadline. Sometimes Jesus won't make your life easier, but he will make it better. Sometimes Jesus isn't going to make sense, but he is going to make you new. Sometimes Jesus won't give you what you want, but he will give you what you need. Sometimes Jesus won't give you healing so that he can give you resurrection. So can I ask you this morning, where do you need resurrection? Maybe it's your faith that needs resurrected. You remember as a little kid singing those songs and just loving Jesus. But then life happened. Decisions were made. Things didn't go like you wanted them to go. And your faith laid down in that grave. Will you let Jesus resurrect your faith? Maybe it's your hope that needs resurrected. One too many people have betrayed you. One too many times that paycheck didn't cover all of those bills. And so your hope has laid down in the grave. Will you let Jesus resurrect your hope? Maybe it's your love that needs resurrected. You remember when your marriage was marked by love and intimacy. When he was your best friend and she was your closest ally. But now the kids are up all night and the hours are long and you're sleeping next to a roommate who you made some vows to, but the love just isn't there anymore. Will you let Jesus resurrect your love? You see, City Light, this morning is Resurrection Sunday and Jesus is still in the business of resurrecting normal people. Jesus is still in the business of taking death and giving life. It's who he is. It's what he does. Because you see, just a few weeks later, it wasn't Lazarus in the grave. It was Jesus in his grave. Just a few weeks later, a big rock was rolled in front of his tomb. And some muscles were put outside to guard it. And a crowd was watching, hushed, quiet, and wondering what just happened to their best friend. Will anything happen to him? One day, two days, three days later, they get their answer. Some angels come and they roll that stone away. There's a sound. There's a noise. There's some movement. An earthquake rocked the city of Jerusalem. And the next thing that happened is Jesus Christ stood up and he walked out of his grave. He was dead, but then he was alive again. Jesus was gone, but better than the Terminator, he was back. The king was killed, but he rose to reign again. Jesus, by his own strength and power, stood up and walked out of that grave. And so, therefore, we can believe Jesus when he says to Mary and Martha. We can believe Jesus when he says to you and to me, I am the resurrection. He doesn't just give resurrection. He is our resurrection. Oh, city light, can we bring our broken down death to Jesus and let him be our resurrection?
Can you bring those dead places in your heart, those hopeless places in your life, bring them to Jesus and let him be your resurrection. He has that power. He gives that power and he is that resurrection and that life. Amen, church. Amen.